You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Last week, we talked about walking by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, uh, and that the whole book of Galatians has been about that we are not anymore under the law. Uh, we don't have to go back to following the law uh, because we have been justified, not through works of the law, but by faith in Christ and his finished work for us, that he came and lived the perfect life we could never live. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he is our hope, uh, not in anything that we can do or not do or be or not be. Uh, we, we trust in Jesus alone. Uh, and, and because of that, because we've been given life, we've been set free, uh, we are to walk in that freedom and we are to walk in the spirit. Um, look at verse uh, look at 5, verse 13. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, who so are free in the Spirit. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I think uh, we, we often don't, uh, either don't think about the Holy Spirit at all, or we think about, or we, we just think about him kind of in, in certain areas, like in the miraculous gifts, the way God builds up his body um, through prophecy or tongues or something like that. Uh, and, and, and here's perhaps the surprising thing, um, that the, the Holy Spirit shows up not only in the miraculous gifts, which he does, and which Paul isn't shy about, you know, read 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through 14, uh, but he shows up in the day-to-day way that we love each other. In fact, this is how he he shows up more, most often, right? He shows up most often and demonstrates his power uh, most often in the, in the seemingly mundane things than in the obviously miraculous things. Um, and so walking by the Spirit, it means living as brothers and sisters. It means living as friends. It means obeying this verse uh, and loving our neighbor as ourself. And today we look at, uh, Paul gets really practical. How do we do that? What does it look like when we are walking by the Spirit? And when we are, uh, when we're in step with Him, the, the center of this text is verse two, uh, which is carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, uh, we're going to see three things today. We're going to ask kind of three guiding questions. One, what are the burdens we we must carry? What are the burdens we must carry? Two, uh, what type of person must we be to carry these burdens? So. I think the text says there's a certain type of person we have to be in order to carry burdens. And then three, how do we become that type of person? Okay, so fairly simple. What are the burdens? What type of person do we need to be to bear the burdens? And then uh, how do we become that type of person? So first, what are the burdens that we need to carry? Burdens are are heavy weights uh, that you you have to carry for a long time. That's what the word means. It's a good translation. That's what a burden is. Uh, A heavy weight you have to carry for a long time. But this is a pretty broad category. It's a metaphor Paul's using. Um, And and it doesn't have a specific meaning, like, oh, this just means sins, or this just means suffering. It's a a broad category. So it means all kinds of things. So you can think of burdens as temptations and sins, uh, as physical illness, as mental illness, as joblessness, Poverty, stress, oppression, uh, peer pressure, character flaws, uh, immaturity, incompetence, consequences from bad decisions, suffering of all kinds, right? This, is, this can hold a lot of things, right? Um, and the point is that we, we all have burdens, right? We, like, who do you know uh, who isn't dealing with something really heavy, 
Right? Who do you know that, that doesn't have uh, a health problem or a relational mess or a spiritual crisis or an addiction or a family snafu? Right? If you're in a, you know, and maybe you're like, well, I don't, you know, if you're like in a sunny spot in life and you don't have it, like, just give it a minute, right? <laughs> it's coming. Uh, and just get old and then you'll have to bear the burden of old age, right? So th- there's like, there's no way to, to, to uh, get around burdens, and then many people, most people are carrying something big, and not, that's not to mention the, time, the little things, like the daily things, the weights and the burdens that we often carry. Um, notice that Paul says, so what, what burdens must we carry? Um, each other's burdens, one another's burdens. Notice Paul doesn't say, uh, you know, put your burdens on your brothers and sisters, lay them on them. Right? This, is, this text is not a license to go, uh, to go lay, and burden, lay your burdens on other people. If you leave today and you're like, yeah, I do have b- bad things going on. Why isn't anyone helping me with this stuff? Right? Then you've missed it. You missed the point of the text. The point of the text is, is not to, to try to burden other people, but instead to, to selflessly look up and love, notice the burdens around us, and help as we can. Right? And I think this, uh, the, the image is great. So it's a metaphor, carry burdens, right? And I think the image is great. I think we've, we've all uh, either moved out ourselves or uh, helped a friend or maybe a former friend move out of, a, of an upstairs apartment. Um, and maybe like a third floor apartment. That's with the third floor apartment with the, you know, the two stairs in between each level. That's what we, um, and, and so since we've done that, uh, we, we know, and you know, the, the moment when the, you know, the skinny dude is, is coming down the stairs backwards, carrying the full weight of the sleeper sofa, and you know, his legs are shaking, and he's coming down. Um, how do you carry someone's burden in that situation? You just jump up there on the stairs and get under the weight, you know, and, and try to help, like, unless you're just a cruel person. And it's like, well, let's just see what happens here. Uh, hopefully not. Um, but no, you, you get up there, like, sweaty armpits and, you know, trying not to step on each other's feet as you walk. Like, that's bearing, bearing carrying one another's burdens. And this is what we do in the church family. This is what brothers and sisters do for each other. Um, verse 6 is, is another type of burden. We're not going to say much about it, but it's along the same lines. It says, let, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with his teacher. Okay, so uh, being, a, being a pastor is a, is a job, yes, but it's also a calling, right? It's a calling from God. Um, and, uh, and he's saying that a church should care for their pastors in every way, care, care for their teachers uh, in, in every way. Don't let your pastors who carry your spiritual burdens in a unique way, have undue physical or mental or emotional um, burdens. Carry their, their physical needs and their financial burdens, right? As they freely share the word with you, so also share what you have freely with them. This is, this is the church family. This is how we operate. Um, and I, I'm thankful for a church family that, that does this. Um, now, when we were reading, uh, you might have noticed that chapter, or that verse 5 uh, seems to be a contradiction to, to verse 2, because verse 2 says, carry one another's burdens. And then if you look at verse 5, it says, for each person will have to carry his own load. What, what is that saying? Carry one another, but carry your own. How, how do these go together? Um, it's not a contradiction. It, it's actually, a, it's, so it's a different word in the Greek, right? Um, uh, so burden is a heavy, very heavy weight you have to carry for a long time. Uh, a load is, is a lighter, it's a word for a lighter weight, like a backpack something that someone could carry by themselves easily. Um, and, and I think there's, there's such wisdom in, in actually saying both of these things. God is so wise. 
uh, to, to, I mean, obviously he is, and to share these with us, he's kind. Um, Because in one sense, we are the family of God and we cannot do it alone. Like our, our burdens are too heavy. We need each other, right? That, and that's true. Um, and, and in another sense, that's also true. We know, man, each person has their own load. Each person has their own responsibility before God. There are relationships and responsibilities uh, in your life that only you can carry, only you have, right? Uh, the, you, no, no one else can have the relationship with your spouse you have. That is your load, right? Uh, no one, don't look at your spouse and say, yeah, yeah, yeah you're my load, right? No, bad idea. Um, uh, right, but there's, there's, there's uh, you know, Ephesians 2.10, uh, Paul says that uh, we, we have good, there are good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? There are, there are uh, Tim Keller says, hands only you can hold, tears only you can wipe away, right? The, the, God has works prepared beforehand for us, and, and uh, we each have our own load and our own responsibilities. Um, and we know, you know, in the end, it seems to be forward, like each person will have to carry his own load. Um, in the end, everyone dies alone, right? And everyone stands before God alone, right? It's appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Um, and so we, we stand or fall alone before, uh, before God. So bear your own uh, load and carry one another's burdens. All right, so these are the type of burdens. Um, what type of person do we need to be in order to carry these burdens? And I think, what, what, uh, I think what, what the text basically says is that we have to be humble people. We have to have humility. Uh, and I think we see humility in, in, the, in the text in three ways in how we see ourselves and how we see others, and how we see ministry. Okay, so first, how we see ourselves. Um, that's in, in uh, verse 3. Uh, Paul says, For anyone who considers himself to be something when he's nothing, deceives himself. Right? And Paul, we know we've seen Paul be pretty saucy and fiery throughout Galatians, right? He's, he's not pulling many punches, and he doesn't stop, right? He, he just says, oh, yeah, you think you're too good for this? Yeah, you're nothing, right? You're deceiving yourself. Um, uh, I think the number one barrier, especially in our culture and our time, to carrying one another's burdens is just the pride that says, I don't have time. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm doing too many things. Like, I got stuff going on. I got these responsibilities. You think I could interact with this person? That's going to be hard. Like, that's going to be messy. No, no, I, I, I can't do that. I got, I got stuff to do. I got places to be. I got things to accomplish. I think we're in danger of being the, the people in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The uh, man gets beat up and left on the road, and, and there's people going by, and, and they, they got places. I gotta go be to the temple. I gotta go to the temple. I can't get unclean. I, I don't have time for this mess. I'm gonna keep going and pass by. And, and Paul's just saying, Man, you think you're something that you think you're so important that you can't stop and help a friend. Man, get over yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're self deceived. No one is beyond carrying burdens. And so a proud person, if we're proud and we don't have a humble view of ourselves, we won't carry another's burden uh, in love. So we need a humble view of ourselves. Next up, we need a humble view of others. Humble view of others. Um, and, and I don't mean like we should see others as bad, right, <laughs> or something, uh, as lowly. Oh, yeah, I have a really humble view. Everyone's lowly except me. Um, no, that's not it. Uh, look at verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. These are really helpful categories. When we, when we become conceited, uh, when we're proud, uh, this pride uh, shows up, it manifests in, in two ways in relationships. It manifests in superiority 
or in inferiority. Okay, so superiority or an inferiority. Um, and so when we come, you know, when we're in our interactions, we tend to one of these things. We tend to either be superior, uh, and that's the provoking, like let's not become conceited, provoking one another. It's we feel superior, and so we provoke because we want them to know we are superior. We want them to know their inferiority to us, right? Um, and, and or we, we feel inferior, and so we uh, envy, right? That's what it says. We, we, we envy one another. We, uh, we're jealous. We, it eats up inside us because we, we don't have the things that they have. We haven't done the things that they did, they've done. We don't have that, those gifts or we haven't been given those opportunities um, or, or uh, th- those privileges. And so we, we, get, we green with envy, right? Um, and, and the text is saying that there's, there's a better way, right? Um, we don't have to interact by, by going superior or by feeling inferior Instead, we can love, right? In humility, we can have a loving view, um, a view of others that actually causes us to love them. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes about this in his classic book on, on community called Life Together. Um, and uh, he, he says, I, basically, I, I, I can't uh, rightly begin to come alongside and minister someone, bear, carry someone's burden uh, for them until, I've, until I can, I've seen them in humility, until I've seen them as they are made in the image of God, a fellow creature um, but before the creator. Um, and and he, he writes, he writes that, that when you do this, it leads to this great discovery in your life. And so I have a couple quotes. I have a couple really long quotes in the sermon, and I'm just not even sorry because I love them. Um, so here, here it is from, from Bonhoeffer. He says, there's a great discovery when we can begin to see others in, in, a, in a true and in a humble way. He says, he will, be get, he will be able to cease from constantly scrutinizing the other person judging him, condemning him, putting him in his particular place where he can gain ascendancy over him and thus doing violence to him as a person. Now he can allow the brother to exist as a completely free person as God made him to be. His view expands and to his amazement, for the first time he sees shining above his brethren the richness of God's creative glory. God did not make this person as I would have made him. He did not give him to me as a brother for me to dominate and control, but in order that I might find above him the creator. Now the, other per- now the other person, in the freedom with which he was created, becomes the occasion of joy, whereas before he was only a nuisance and an affliction. God does not will that I should fashion the other person according to the image that seems good to me, that is, in my own image. Rather, in his very freedom from me, God made this person in his image. Yeah, isn't that good? I mean, put your, put your kid in there, you know? God didn't make your kid for you to shape him in your own image. Rather, for he made him in his own image, right? Uh, is your kid an occasion for joy for you or a nuisance and affliction? With your spouse, like, th- this is incredible. If we can see people in this way, it leads to joy. It leads to joy and not to, uh, not to uh, stress and, and uh, <laughs> wrath. So to truly carry another's burden, we have to be humble enough not to envy or provoke someone, but rather in love to see them truly as they are, as a fellow creature made in God's image. And, and we can come alongside them. I think another helpful uh, th- thing in the text about seeing others in a humble way is in verse 4. Uh, let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. It's an interesting verse. Um, I, I think 
what that can do, though, is, uh, Tim Keller points this out in his, his commentary. He, he says, it can free us to, as we, when we look at others, say we see another person, uh, you know, being impatient with their children. And we think, like, oh, that's so bad. Um, and right, I, I judged parents a lot before I had kids. Um, <laughs> and I, I try not to now um, because I, I have them. Um, but, you know, we think, okay, I, I'm a lot, whether it's true or not, I'm, I'm more patient than that. Um, I, this is a great thing to know. Like, don't, like, l- examine your own work don't, so you don't have to compare yourself to others. So when we look at others, we, maybe that person, maybe they are being a lot more impatient than you, but maybe they started off a lot less patient than you did. Like, maybe they've grown a lot in their relationship with Christ, and God has sanctified them tons, and they are submitting to God, and this is just where they are in the journey, and maybe you're not at all. <laughs> like, maybe, uh, you, we don't know, every person has their own story. So we can't just look at someone and assume, like, oh, I'm more mature than, no, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're walking with the Lord closer than you are. Um, and so how can, how can you just see them as a creature before God uh, and, and love them? Not to have to be superior, not to be inferior, but just to love them. We need a humble view of others. Lastly, we need, we need a humble view of ministry. Um, verse 1, it says that, 6-1, it says, you who are spiritual should restore a person. If someone's caught in a sin, overtaken by sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. What does it mean to be spiritual? Is this like a yogi? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's talking about uh, someone who's led by the Spirit. Right? That's what he's been saying. Like, here's the works of the flesh, here's the fruit of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and then the spiritual person. So this is a person who is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, who's walking by the Spirit. Um, I think it does mean a mature person. Like, you need to be a mature person in order to restore people who have been caught in sin. Um, But that doesn't get anyone off the hook, right? You're like, oh, good, I'm I'm immature, so I don't have to do that. Uh, No, because we're all called to maturity, to grow into maturity so that we are able to actually serve others as uh, as we are called to. Um, and so look at what he says. He says, restore them with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Okay? So, so I think he's saying if you want to correct or help someone, but you look at them and you say like, oh, I could never struggle with that. Like, I would never do that. Then you're not the right person to help them. You're, you, rather, you're not in the right place yourself to help them. Right? Because you don't know your own sin. You don't know your own indwelling sin yet. And you need to let someone who's more mature, who knows the depth of their indwelling sin, their remaining sin, uh, to be able to, to help and restore. And you should repent and ask God, why, why is pride hanging on in this area? Why, why do I put so much stock in the fact that I'm, I'm better than this person? Like, forgive me, help me. We need to examine our hearts, uh, our hearts there. Someone who, um, who's keeping in step with the Spirit is gentle, right? Ministry should be gentle. Uh, knowing that, that, man, I'm just as susceptible at being caught in sin as anyone else, okay? Uh, verse one, it, I think, helps us. This case study, I think it's a case study showing us in action what does it look like to bear someone's burden in, in a sin. Um, look at it, brothers and sisters. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. So if someone's overtaken by a sin, it says, if someone's caught in a sin, um, you know, I think this means we, we shouldn't be the righteousness police. I mean, have you listened to Galatians at all? Like, if we think, if we, <laughs> if we, we're not being coming more gracious with people, I think we haven't been anything, listening to Galatians even a little bit, uh, right? It's all of God's grace. 
So we're not the righteousness police. Um, and so I don't think this is talking about just a one-time thing or something you suspect or you notice once, right? No, no, this is, this is a sin that's a problem, right? That has become a problem. It's a pattern of sin. Sin has tackled a person uh, and, and has taken them down. Um, and it's very obvious. Uh, and, and so when that happens, uh, what should you do? How should you address it? Okay. Um, well, I, I think the first thing is that you actually do address it. Right, a lot of times we don't. Maybe we feel insecure. We feel fear because we feel inferior to them. Uh, right? I couldn't address that person. No, no, man. We're both Christians. We're both before the Lord. Uh, right, this sin, the Spirit's shown you this sin. You need to address it head on. We need to talk. We can't avoid these conversations. We need to go with, uh, with boldness and talk to each other. Uh, address it. But you don't come with superiority, right? You're not coming with superiority either because you're not any better than that person, right? There's kind of this understanding. It's like, man, I'm going to be in the pit someday and you're going to be having to pull me out. So when I do this, I'm just going to do it with as much gentleness as I can possibly manage, right? Like, yeah, I know you're going to have to pull me out and I'm going to do to you as I want you to do to me, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is uh, the law of Christ, right? Uh, and so we, we help each other with gentleness. We come humbly with, with careful vigilance that we aren't tempted uh, with a gentle spirit, and we restore the person. No, no, you know, we don't gossip about the person. We don't share the prayer request with everyone we know so that everyone knows that this thing is going on with this person. Uh, we, we don't come in and try to make this person really feel the weight of their sin, right? Uh, I, just, I think we try to be the Holy Spirit sometimes. Um, we, we want restoration, right? We, we're seeking restoration. How can we gently restore a person who has been overtaken, Okay. So uh, we've seen the, the type of burdens. We, we've seen that we have to become humble people. Hum, humility is the only thing that can bear uh, those burdens. And then lastly, how do we become that type of person? I think that sounds hard. Uh, how do we become that type of person? Uh, verse 2 is the only place in, in the Bible where this exact phrase, the law of Christ, is used. So what does Paul mean? Um, you know, he, he may be being, some of the commentators say he's being a little ironic uh, because the Galatians have been trying to go back under the burden of the law, of the law of Moses, right? So he's like, oh, you want to be under a law? Well, here, you want to carry a burden? Take this burden, your, your brother's burden, like, uh, and, and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? Not the law of Moses. Uh, he, he's playing with his words a little bit. But what is it? What is the law of Christ? I think we've already seen it summed up in, in, uh, in 514 that uh, it is love your neighbor as yourself. I think that encapsulates Jesus' life and his ministry, right? This is his, uh, his pattern, his way of life, his teaching. Ultimately, uh, we see in his life and his death and his resurrection um, for us. And this is the great secret to becoming the type of person who can carry a burden. And it's knowing the great burden bearer himself, Jesus. It's knowing that he took your burden. Isaiah sums up the gospel in this way in chapter 53. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. We sing, uh, we sing that he bore our sins and our sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. What, what did he bear? What did he carry for us? He carried the burden of our punishment for sin. Right, Peter says like this, he himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. 
We each have a burden that is too heavy for us to carry. And it's the burden of sin, right? And for our sin, we deserve death. And, and people will tell you now that, um, that, you know, guilt is a psychological phenomenon that isn't real and you just need to forgive yourself. And that's just, that's just so untrue. Right? Our, our guilt is real because there's a real God and we really stand before him and we really fall short. Right? We are guilty. We deserve death. Um, and Jesus, in his great love, came down and took our burden. He took our burden to the, to the grave. Right? He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He took our guilt and our shame down with him and he rose forever and he left our sin there. <laughs> he left the burden um, and there's no more for us to bear. He invites all, all to come to him. Right, all to come to him. So have you come to him or, or are you still trying to carry that burden yourself? Please don't sabotage yourself here. It, it is satanic pride that says, no, I'm good, man. Like some of you need the humility to say like, I can't carry my burden. Right? It, it, that is, that, don't, don't say that. Like, it's not true. You can't. We all can't. That's the whole point. Like, we're not good enough. Christianity is not about being a good person. The whole point is we're not good. That's why he had to come. Like, that's, that's the only reason. If we were good enough, he wouldn't have to come, but he did. He came and he died and he rose from the dead and he invites you to come. So have you come to him? And I know you're in church, so you know about Jesus, but like, that's not what I mean. I mean, have you actually come to him as a person? He's a person. He's alive. You can speak with him. Has he taken your burden? I hope he has. Come and lay your burden down at the feet of Jesus today. He will take it. The only way you'll be able to become a person who carries burdens for others is when you know Jesus has carried your burden. And if you are a Christian um, in here, if my, my brothers and sisters, don't you see that, that a fail, our failure to carry each other's burdens is direct result of just forgetting? Forgetting the gospel, right? Forgetting the kindness of God. How can a Christian, how can someone who said, I have been set free forever, I have a bright future, not because of anything I've done, but just as a free gift. Like how can someone who said that then see someone in need, someone who's struggling, someone with a burden, and go like, oh no, I'm, I'm gonna set, I can't do that, right? I can't help with that. Only by forgetting, right? We only, it's only by forgetting. I'm so forgetful. Do you, uh, I feel this so strongly. Like we are so forgetful. Um, I, sometimes I think, God put me in ministry because he knew I need to be reminded more than most people uh, of God's kindness. He's like, yeah, you better study that every day, bro, because you're, you're super forgetful. Um, and that, it's just so true. Like, I need it every morning and every, the next hour, and then the next hour, and then another time before lunch, and then at lunch, right? I need to remember and preach to myself all that's true, that God loves me, that, that there's nothing left for me to do to please God, that I have the Spirit in me, that He has a mission for me to accomplish. Like, I need to remember the truth, and we need each other to remind ourselves of that, and we need the church. Like, we don't just get together because it's a fun, cool thing to do. Like, this is, as Matt Chandler says, church is a really lame hobby, and I think it's true. Like, don't come, go on a boat, man. A boat's funner. Funner. That's good grammar. Uh, right? But no, no, we need it. Like, we need each other. We need the reminder and the Holy Spirit in these, in these times and with each other. And as we speak the gospel to ourselves and as we read the word, he preaches 
the truth and reminds us because we're so forgetful um, of that Jesus has taken our burdens. We need to repent of our pride and our lack of love and ask for the strength and the love to carry burdens for one another. Some of you are carrying others' burdens in sickness. Someone you know is sick, maybe someone you're close to, and that's a burden, right? And uh, you're helping, you're helping bear that burden. And maybe that, that can be, oh, tiring, discouraging. Um, do you know that Isaiah says, Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains? He bore them to the cross into the grave, and, and one day he'll do away with them forever. No more pain, no more sickness, no more crying, right? And then all things made new. And so by his strength, in the joy of the Spirit, humbly continue to carry that burden. Do you, do you have a rebellious child you're having to bear with? Remember, Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, theirs and yours. Humbly, by his strength, gently carry, continue to carry their rebellion. Are you bearing with someone, someone close to you, who's struggling with the same sin over and over, right? And fighting, but just seems like they're losing. Isaiah says that the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Their sin and your sin. That, that that sin has been crucified with Christ. And like Pastor Jeff said last week, it's dying. It may be a slow death, but it is dying and it will die and it will be gone forever. Um, and that is not a losing battle. Gently, humbly continue to carry that burden. Are you dealing with someone who's suffering? Are you bearing with someone who is suffering, carrying their burden? Jesus suffered, right? He, was, he suffered uh, in every way that we do. Uh, he, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He suffered for us. So by his strength, carry that burden, continue to carry it. B.B. Warfield, uh, who was a, a theology professor at Princeton Seminary, a hundred years ago, uh, wrote this in his book, uh, The Person and Work of Christ. I love this. Christ was led by his love for others into the world to forget himself in the needs of others, to sacrifice self once for all upon the altar of sympathy. Self-sacrifice brought Christ into the world and self-sacrifice will lead us, his followers, not away from, but into the midst of men. Wherever men suffer, there we will be to comfort. Wherever men fail, there we will be to uplift. Wherever men succeed, there we will be to rejoice. Self-sacrifice means not indifference, to our times and our fellows. It means absorption, absorption in them. It means forgetfulness of self in others. It means entering into every man's hopes and fears, longings and despairs. It means many-sidedness of spirit, multiform activity, multiplicity of sympathies. It means richness of development. It means not that we should live one life, but a thousand lives, binding ourselves to a thousand souls by the filaments of so loving a sympathy that their lives become ours. It means that all the experiences of men shall smite our souls and shall beat and batter these stubborn hearts of ours into fitness for their heavenly home. It is, after all, then, the path to the highest possible development by which alone we can be made truly men.
Some of my favorite books uh, are the, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, by, uh, by J.R. Tolkien. Uh, and the one thing you may not know about them, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the movies or read the books, um, you should read the books, is that uh, one of, the, one of the, th- the main themes of Lord of the Rings is friendship, which is kind of neat. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of friends in, in Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring is, you know, a group of friends, essentially. Um, but maybe the, the, you know, strongest friendship, the best example of friendship in the book is, uh, is Frodo and Sam. So Frodo is the, uh, you know, the ring bearer, the one, the hobbit who has been given the task of, uh, of destroying the one ring, right, in the fires of Mount Doom. Um, and Samwise Gamgee, Sam is his, uh, his gardener, who kind of hears about the expedition and says, I'm coming, and he becomes really Frodo's best friend and, uh, and uh, partner as they go on this task. And um, toward the end of the story, they've gone through so much together, um, and it's just Frodo and Sam, and they're on the, the like, last stretch. Like, there's the, this, they're on the, the slopes of Mount Doom, right, and they've got to climb to the top to destroy this ring. Um, and so that's where we pick up, and I'll just start reading here. Now for it. Now for the last gasp, said Sam, as he struggled to his feet. He bent over Frodo, rousing him gently. Frodo groaned, but with a great effort of will, he staggered up, and then he fell upon his knees again. He raised his eyes with difficulty to the dark slopes of Mount Doom towering above him, and then pitifully he began to crawl forward on his hands. Sam looked at him and wept in his heart, but no tears came to his dry and stinging eyes. I said I'd carry him if it broke my back, he muttered, and I will. Come, Mr. Frodo, he cried. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you, and it is well. So up you get. He hoists him up. He's bearing a burden. Listen to this. As Frodo clung upon his back, arms loosely about his neck, legs clasped firmly under his arms, Sam staggered to his feet. And then to his amazement, he felt the burden light. He'd feared that he would have barely the strength to lift his master alone, and beyond that, he had expected to share in the dreadful dragging weight of the accursed ring. But it was not so. Whether because Frodo was so worn by his long pains, wound of knife and venomous sting and sorrow, fear and homeless wandering, or because some gift of final strength was given him, Sam lifted Frodo with no more difficulty than if he were carrying a hobbit child piggyback in some romp on the lawns or hayfields of the Shire. He took a deep breath, started off. Let's be friends like Sam. And I think that as we are, we'll find the strength that is given to us at the crucial moment. Not because we're strong, or we're not, (laughs) but because the Lord is with us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.